Good afternoon, everyone. I uh, want to wish you the best of Christmas seasons. Uh, we look forward to uh, a much better 2022 than we've got so far in 2020 and 2021. So, um, Rick has asked me to discuss Matthew chapter 2, 13, 14, and 15, and discuss it from a point of view of revelation. And so, uh, I want to let's read these scriptures and and uh, then we'll we'll dig right into some uh, different things. Uh, now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, "Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child's life to destroy him." And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And there was and, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Now, um, as I've looked at this, uh, one of the things that we do know about Joseph, uh, as he was... Uh, processing everything that was coming up was number one he, the Lord spoke to him a lot in dreams and um, uh, and as I was processing this I, I go back to the to the beginning of chapter two you see a, a quick little review um, if you look at verse number two it says where is Herod now trying to find out about this uh, this king Herod Behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, and they were asking, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And so, immediately, uh, we have a kingdom bringer. Uh, John Ortberg, uh, one of my favorite teachers, refers to uh, as a kingdom bringer. And uh, being a kingdom bringer in Herod's kingdom in Rome was not a, it was not a safe thing to do. There's only one king, uh, Caesar, uh, in Rome, and Herod was the top dog in the area that he was in, and he's not going to tolerate any second uh, kings. Okay, now um, when he found out about this, this is an interesting thing. You go to, to verse number three. Herod, the king, heard this. He was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And uh, and one of the questions I asked was, why was everybody troubled? Well. Um, it's like my dad said, when when mom's happy, everybody's happy. And when mom's not happy, nobody's happy. So when, when Herod was comfortable what was going on, and it's very rare that this the King Herod, if you know anything about his background, he wasn't comfortable about anything. He executed everyone. He, he killed a bunch of members of his own family. He killed his wife. He killed all kinds of people. So, uh, But he needs to find out where this king is. And I imagine that there's a lot of religious people, uh, that things are going smooth. The, the, uh, when, you, when you look back at this as far as Revelation is concerned, things are going well. Um, and, and nobody wants to upset the apple cart, so to speak. And so, uh, as we process through here, um, Herod begins to look for the Christ. And, and he, he's going to hornswoggle these uh, three wise men. And... Uh, and he began to go to the Pharisees, where is the Christ to be born? And they said he's to be born in Bethlehem. 
And so uh, Herod dreams up this plan. Go search for the young child. When you found him, come back that I might worship him. Well, now the dreams come. Here's revelation knowledge again. And, and really, as we proceed with this, there's two ways of revelation that we want to talk about. One, God's general revelation. He's going to give uh, revelation to everyone about certain things. Like we've got nature reveals God's characters and so forth. But then we've got specific revelations, things that he's uh, revealing to you. And in this case, uh, we see uh, that the, the star of Bethlehem comes, and they rejoice over that. But then if you look at verse 12 in chapter 2, then being divinely warned in a dream, they should not return to Herod, for they departed for their own country and went another way. Now, um, I want you to think about this. These guys are, are, are not... Um, they're not Jews. They're they're astrologers. They're people that worship the stars, and they're they're not um, they're not held in high esteem by the Pharisees and so forth. They they could not because they're looking at a different God. They're 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 doing things different. One of the revelations that I get as I look at this is that God does not necessarily follow our protocol. Okay. If he did, he wouldn't do things the way that he does. But it always seems like God does things completely different than what we are anticipating. Now, in um, verses 7 and 8 is what I call the great setup. Herod set these guys up. You go find him, come back, and I'll worship him. He's trying to set them up. God short-circuits that with a dream. Now, we go to verse 13. And we realize when they had departed, behold, this angel, now he goes to dream number two, and he says to Joseph, Arise, take the young child and the mother, and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Now, when I hear this word, you re- we we got to remember that uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are written under the Old Testament. The Jesus ministered under the Old Testament. There wasn't any new covenant because he hadn't been killed yet. He hadn't, been, he hadn't died for the sins or anything. So Joseph is a man operating under the Old Covenant. And in the, in, as we look at this, one of the problems, I think, and, and you don't think of God having problems, but let me just make the statement. God's challenge is the way I would put it. God's challenge is to bring revelation knowledge to a people that does not have the Holy Spirit. So he takes extra caution to make sure they get it when he wants to say something to him. Now, if I go back to Judges chapter 6 through 8, one of my, one of my favorite guys is Gideon. And um, if you go back and look, Gideon put fleeces out. He did a number of different things. And God honored his request because he wanted to make sure that Gideon understood what he was supposed to do. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. So God responded to them, revelation knowledge, very detailed, very detailed stuff. Now, as we look at what happens here with with Joseph, again, we're getting some very detailed information from the Lord. Okay, this isn't uh, this isn't a situation where uh, uh, God says. In fact, I just read this for a friend of mine. Uh, Oswald Chambers has a 
devotional that he says, will you go without knowing? Well, we go back to Abraham and the Lord said, you take off and go and then I'll tell you what. So Abraham just took off and he did, didn't know where he was going, but he went there anyway. And so, um, as we're looking at Joseph in this situation, we've got to remember, he does, look what's been dumped on him. He's got a girlfriend. They want to get married. And she's pregnant, and she said she didn't have sex with anyone. Now, he said he was a man of honor, and he honored that. And he, and he, took, he didn't throw her under the bus, so to speak. But how much of that, you know, how much of that was such a struggle for him? And one of the things that I think we get a revelation about is how Joseph dealt with this situation that he found himself in. Um, and when he arose, he did what exactly what this dream. Now, I don't know what the dream was like, but apparently it had a lot of impact on him. And if we go to the New Testament, you see Paul has a dream. The guy says, come on over to Macedonia and help us. Okay, so he gets up, and whatever it was that was in the dream, he knew it was from God. Apparently, the same thing happened here. Now, uh, within that framework, we want to go back and, and, and look at some surrounding issues with Joseph and the people that were there. I, I, I looked up the other day, and I think the, the number, we'll just use a number, 1,300 years. The sacrificial system has been in existence for 1,300 years, 1,000, 1,300 years. And they know what that system is. And when we go back and look at it, this is what there's nobody alive that knows anything other than that. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians and all these other people have had multiple years to set up their own systems of corruption and uh, rules, you know, don't uh, do not do this, don't do that, can't you read the sign? That's the way the old song used to go. And uh, so as they're looking at this, the, the issue that we want to come up with, what's the environment that all of this is happening in? So Joseph does what he's going. I don't think he tells anybody he's having these dreams. I don't think he, I, I don't know that, but I, I don't think he's telling people that. I think he's just moving where he feels that the Lord's sending him. And in verse 14, we see his extreme obedience. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. Okay? So he's actually doing what he felt like God wanted him to do in the dream. Uh, His entire life has been... Uh, upset, and he's in a different position. So, and uh, when you think about it, and again, I don't have any, I don't, I don't have any, any real word on this. But uh, there was a time when they were on a on a caravan. Jesus is twelve years old, and they can't find him. Three days they can't find him, and I imagine Joseph goes to Mary. And says something akin to, well, you know, God's given us His Son to take care of, and you've lost Him. Where is He? You know, the panic that they must have felt. Here, they're entrusted with God's Son, and now they can't find Him. Three days they're trying to find Him. I imagine they panicked. Because they're in an environment that that nobody's ever been in before. Okay? 
So they find Jesus, and, and, and you'll see Mary always saying, um, uh, she pondered these things and kept them in her heart. And so as I go back here and I look at this, and then verse 15, uh, He was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Now, um, let me bring up another point here. Herod destroyed all of the two-year-olds and younger in the Bethlehem area. And I, I don't know how big Bethlehem was. I've looked at it. I've, I, I think there's a range between 300 and 600 kids that were killed. Okay. Now, it's interesting. The Bible doesn't condemn this. It just tells you what happened. Okay. And the reason I bring that up, um, I would have thought that had I been around when that is, I would really be screaming. I, I would be really upset because this happened. The Bible doesn't, it just tells you this is what evil does. So part of the revelation that we can get from here is God is rolling the windows back on evil. Now, all of this has been going, there's a lot of evil things that have been going on, but we're just now beginning to see uh, as the, the curtain comes back, and we see Satan and God beginning to do battle in such a way, we can see that Satan knows something's going on, but I'm not sure what. So the best way to do that is they'll just kill all these kids. And I'm bound to get him. Okay, well, it didn't work out for him. Now, um, we go on from there, and let me see. Let me make a point. Let's find out. Okay. Revelation knowledge, when we get into the Word of God, there's, there's two words for uh, the Word. There's, there's logos and there's rhema. And um, I actually had done some research uh, to, to look at this and you get pages of, of, of uh, information about what the word rhema means, about what the word logos means. But the, the point is, is the rhema is when God reveals something to you that you need to know. Now, it could come in the form of a gift of the Spirit. Maybe it's a word of wisdom. Maybe it's some, a word of knowledge, something. You, you, there's no way you can know unless God did it. So we're sitting in a situation where we're beginning to see God's gifts that He gives to men. We're beginning to see how these things are beginning to work. And, and I believe He's showing us a little bit of foretaste of what happens to Jesus. And if I go to Mark chapter 1, and start looking at Jesus through Mark 1 through 3, we see things like um, Jesus knew what they were thinking. Uh, and, uh, well, why are you saying this in your heart? When they chopped the hole and dropped the kid down through the roof, Jesus is saying, uh, why are you thinking these things in your mind? And I believe we're beginning to see a foretaste of revelation knowledge and, and the, the gifts of the Spirit beginning to work, or, or that they're there. Because God's now beginning to interject Himself in such a way that it's a very personal, uh, it's a very personal growth. Now, um, Joseph was not born again. Okay, neither was Mary. Nobody was. But we can go back and we can go into the Gospel of John, the beginning of, the, of some of the Gospels, and you can see that. Who was full of the Holy Spirit? 
Well, Mary, Elizabeth said he was. It said John the Baptist, full of the Holy Spirit, from the time that he was born. Now, we're beginning to see the Holy Spirit starting to come in into play in a very, very real way. Uh, if we go to the Gospel of John, and I, 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 I want to kind of set the framework up here. If we go to the Gospel of John, after Jesus has had serious ministry, and we're in chapter 16, verse 7, he says, um, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I go away, the Holy Spirit will, will come. If I don't go away, He won't be here. Now, He's introducing the Holy Spirit, and, and, and if you follow... Uh, uh, Peter and the guys through the gospel, they don't know much about the Holy Spirit. They're beginning to find out about it. But where does the Holy Spirit come in and change things? He does it at Pentecost. Okay, He comes in at Pentecost, and people that were, uh, uh, I don't want to say losers, people, that's, that's, that's not the right thing, people that were having issues getting things done right. Okay? People that were having trouble getting things done right, all of a sudden now have the ability to get things right. Peter's a classic example. Uh, and Revelation is an uh, example. Peter's in the back of the boat with Jesus in Mark 4 when the storm hits. Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. Now, we don't know that it was Peter, but we could assume it's Peter that gets up and goes and says, Hey, just thought we'd let you know we're all going to drown. You might want to you might want to know about that, you know. And Peter was scared and said they were terrified. They're getting ready to die. This is a, a guy that's been out there. Now, what was the revelation knowledge that he received? Well, if you put your thumb on Mark chapter four and then you draw a line, you go over to Acts chapter twelve, you'll see that that Herod had killed James. And it says that in the morning, and I believe it's—I believe King James says in the morning, he was going to examine Peter, which means he's going to kill him. Okay? Now, the church is praying for Peter to get out of jail. And God sends an angel to him, and he is so sound asleep that the angel has to kick him in the side to wake him up. Somewhere between Mark 4 and here, in, in Acts chapter 12, Peter got a revelation of the Holy Spirit. And he got peace. He got peace in the middle of a terrible storm. Here's a guy that's getting ready to be executed. They're going to they're gonna take him out in the morning. And he's so sound asleep that an angel has to kick him and wake him up. So, revelation knowledge, as we, as we begin to pursue... Uh, the story of Christmas, and and um, uh, we begin to understand Jesus' birth. One of the things that he's doing is he's rolling back the 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 curtain on revelation knowledge. That's part of what he's doing. And if you think about it, thirteen hundred years, nothing like this has ever happened before. Nothing has ever happened. And even though God has it written into the books, Jesus told the Pharisees, He said, you, you, think the, you look at the Scriptures all the time. You think the answer's in there and it points to me, but you don't believe it. 
So God had the answer in there. And if we go back to, to Mark chapter 4, and we begin to talk about secrets, uh, the, Jesus said, uh, the secrets belong to you. The mysteries of God belong to you. We can see that in Mark chapter 4. We can see it in, in uh, uh, that Jesus is saying consistently, the mysteries of the kingdom of God belong to you. So, one of the things that I want to look at, and I want us to keep in mind as we, as we, as we look at this story of this very, uh, I, I'm not sure brave is the right word, but a man of, of great integrity. Joseph was a man of great integrity. Because he, you can see that in his heart when she gave him this story about being pregnant and not having sex with anyone. Whether he argued with her or not, it says he didn't want to embarrass her, so he didn't want to put her away publicly. Well, I like that. I, that, that. That speaks volumes about the man's inner character. Okay, But at this point, we want to go back and realize that as God's opening up the eyes, the revelation of the knowledge of what's coming, um, we're beginning to see how the Holy Spirit... So one of the things that I would say... Revelation knowledge. How does this represent revelation knowledge? It shows that God's beginning to use the Holy Spirit. He's, he's letting us see what the Holy Spirit can do. Now, I'm convinced if you go to John chapter 6, probably the low point in Jesus' ministry, um, He says, if you don't eat my blood, by, uh, not eat my blood, if you don't eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And there's a whole bunch of disciples going, hey, I can't take this. This is just too much. I don't get it. And, and, and we're not going to, you know, we're going to leave. And Jesus turns around to, to the disciples and says, you guys going to leave too? One of the more interesting things about this, as Jesus is, is beginning to reveal things, you'll notice there's no point in time that he ever goes back and says, oh, no, now wait a minute, you all misunderstood what I was saying. Let me, let me, let me say it again. He didn't do that. He put the truth out there. And then we know from fact that He let the Holy Spirit do the talking for Him. He let the Holy Spirit. He did not try to defend Himself. So He's opening up. As, as we look at this, uh, that's the one thing. I go back to, to Psalm uh, chapter 32, uh, verses 8 and 9. In fact, I want to go back and I'm, I'm actually, I want to read that to you. I'm, I'm reading from the New King James Version today. I like the New King James, to be honest with you. It's a great version. Here's what he says in 32.8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye upon you. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding and which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Now, Gideon... And his fleeces was a bit and bridle. Okay? There's a lot of situations that we can see where God led people by bit and bridle because they didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. They didn't know how to walk with the Spirit of God. It's interesting enough, if you go back, Saul started out, the King Saul started out walking with God. And we see some powerful things that were done. So, as we look at these verses... And I want to read them again. And I want you to look at them as a key, as a, as a lock 
that Jesus is getting ready to unlock for us. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord uh, pardon me, spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt I called my son. Another element of this is as, as he's beginning to open up and show us about revelation from the Holy Spirit, he's connecting that to the Old Testament. So if you're if you're one of the people, and if you think about it, when when they approach Jesus in this situation, there's a lot of people are hearing things, they're seeing him doing these miracles and stuff, and they're trying to connect the dots. They don't know where to do that. But here, the Lord through the Spirit of God and through the things that we're seeing here, He's beginning to say, "I'm going to speak to you in dreams. I'm going to reveal things to you in dreams." I will speak to you. I will do exactly what I said I would do in Psalms. But once the Holy Spirit gets here, you don't have to be led by a bit and a bridle. He doesn't do that. He's not going to, you know, lasso you and then drag you over here. Uh, He's going to talk to you and say, I would really like for you to go over here. Then you make the decision. Is that what you're going to do or not? And... So when we look at this, two elements, and 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 uh, we'll we'll kind of close up with this. Number one, I believe that this story is is the Lord beginning to open up revelation knowledge about how the Holy Spirit works. Okay, and number two, He's connecting it to the Old Testament. He's connecting it to the Old Testament and saying, see now the sharp guy. The sharp Pharisee that's looking to God would sit there, and I'm wondering, take Gamaliel, Saul, Saul of Tarsus, people like that. I'm wondering if all of a sudden they're not hearing the revelation. Hey, this takes on a new meaning with what he's saying. Um, I have a, let me get a drink here. I can share with you the first revealed knowledge that I got. The first thing was when the Lord spoke to me and I got it as Rhema. Uh, Julia and I had just been, this is 1978, and I can tell you it was in February of 1978. We were in Ohio and it was the worst blizzard in a hundred years then. It's probably the worst blizzard since then. And we're not going anywhere. We're in lawn care business, and we got 30-foot drifts outside, so we're not going anywhere. So we're sitting in, in our house. I had a brand-new uh, uh, Mr. Coffee coffee maker. Uh, I, had a, I had a warm sweater on. I had uh, my new Schofield Study Bible, and I had uh, a new pack of cigarettes and um, coffee, and, and, man, I'm ready to go study the Word. So we sit down, and we start doing this, and baptism comes up. And all of a sudden, it's like the heavens opened up. I understand what baptism is. Man, you go down into the water, that represents the old life, and you come up born to new life, and then you see and mark the Holy Spirit come down. And man, I see it. It's there. 
So I grab my Bible and I go into my wife and I said, Looky here, look what God just showed me. And I walked her through it. And when I got done, she goes, Well, yeah, I knew that. You know? And uh, so, and, and I learned a lot about revelation there. That was my revelation. It wasn't her. She already knew it. And so, um, and, and uh, I never, I just never forgot that. I can see her to this day looking at me going, Well, yeah, I knew that. So, uh, revelation knowledge is personal. It can, it's corporate as well. There's a corporate um, uh, element to this because he said, I saw my son, I called him out of Egypt. But it's also personal because he gave him the dream, let him know where he wanted him to go, and he's opening up to the Holy Spirit. And I think the rest of the book of Matthew and the other Gospels will, will, will show you how that revelation comes and it, to me, it culminates in John 16 when Jesus said, um, if I don't go, he can't come. And as great as you think it would be to have me around all the time, it's a lot better to have the Holy Spirit here. And I want to know how to walk with the Holy Spirit in such a way that I can do the things I'm called to do, I can do the things Jesus said I could do, and I can I can go where Jesus said I could go, and walk in power and strength with Him. So um, that's all I had to say. Uh, I hope you got something out of it. I'm going to pray and ask God to bless your Christmas, Father. I thank you so much for all that you've done through Rick Bonfim Ministries this year, and what you're getting ready to do next year, Father. I thank you for their ministry. I thank you for the love that they have for you and other people there. And I wish everybody that's listened to this, Father, the best Christmas ever in Jesus' name. Amen. Leave those valleys, crash in.